We had a few technical difficulties while recording this episode of the podcast. As such, one of our speakers is occasionally muffled. For every episode, we provide a closed captioned version, which is available on our YouTube channel. So you might want to go and watch this episode on YouTube, where you can see the text transcribed for you as we speak. It's still an enjoyable episode, so please do listen in. Welcome to the Scotland Singing for Health podcast, produced by Scotland Singing for Health Network. I am Brianna Robertson-Kirkland, and today I'm joined by three very special guests. Before I introduce them, let me tell you a little bit about this podcast and why we're talking about Singing for Health. Singing for Health groups support the management of a range of conditions, such as respiratory conditions, dementia, Parkinson's disease, and mental health concerns. In each episode of the podcast, we'll be talking to singers, singing group leaders, researchers and medical practitioners to find out more about the benefits of singing and what Singing for Health activities are taking place all around Scotland. Today, our podcast focuses on singing for mental health and we are joined by Kim Edgar, who is one of the musical directors for the Freedom of Mind Community Choir, GP and medical advisor Dr Veronica McBurney, who founded Singing Health, and clinical psychologist Lisbeth Tipp, who is also chair of the Harmony Choir and co-investigator for Scotland Singing for Health Network. Thank you all for joining me today. So mental health is something that I'm sure most of our listeners will have heard about, perhaps even thought about and discussed with fellow friends and families themselves. But I wonder if we can initially discuss the importance of mental health. So I'm going to throw this out to the group. What is mental health? Veronica. I'm happy to speak. I was going to let everyone else have a, have a word in it, please. So, well, you know, health is not merely the absence of disease. It's, it's physical, mental and spiritual well-being. And mental health is just as an important part of your health as the physical part of your body and indeed the deeper parts of your thinking brain. So mental health covers a wide aspect of very obvious things but can have very physical effects. You can't, you can't actually separate out one from the other. You can't say mental health is one thing and physical health is another because it's all part of the same package. Um, mental health is something that was not discussed as openly as it is now, and I welcome all discussions that we have nowadays. There used to be far too much stigma discussing whether you were or were not coping or what was happening or if you felt a little down. And um, people with mental health problems didn't want to talk about mental health covers a wide a wide range of things excellent thank you so much for that insight veronica lisbeth do you have any thoughts no um i think uh, veronica covered that really well um i think it's also important to point out and i think uh, you referred to that already that um of course everybody thinks when, when you talk about mental health about psychological symptoms and uh, disorders um and uh yeah one in four will uh, suffer from a disorder in their lifetime. So uh, it is very common, but there's also positive uh, mental health. And uh, Veronica mentioned thriving and um, uh, the World Health Organization also recognizes that, uh, like you mentioned, is, uh, health is not just the absence of disease, but it's also about well-being. Um, and in that se- sense, I think, um, you know, singing for health and singing for mental health can really contribute to, to both sides of that uh, concept of mental health. 
Excellent. Veronica, medically speaking, if someone felt they needed professional help due to a decline in mental health, what might they do? Who might they go to? Well, your first port of call, usually, if you have a health issue, is your GP. I realise we're living in extraordinary times. That's the phrase that's been used all too often. Um, so out with meaning and family and friends and, and talking to people, I think the, the key thing is to talk about it and not to keep it to yourself. Um, but what works for one doesn't always work for another. And um, I, I think once you've you've uh, had, a, had a good look into the physical aspects of any problem that would lead to mental health problems, then the next step would be to tackle things on a psychological health level. And that, that, that involves a wide range of treatments. And really, you know, one of the most important questions I ask my patients um, when I first meet them, actually, when I get to know them, is, is to ask them, what brings you joy? Because whatever brings you joy in life will encourage you to grow, will encourage your spirit to grow, and will encourage you to thrive physically and mentally. Excellent. That's really useful advice. And obviously today we are talking about singing for mental health, which could be something that some might find beneficial. So again, I'm just going to throw this out to the group. What could a singing for health group do for someone who feels like they need support to manage their mental health? What do these singing for health groups do? Kim? Maybe I could uh, jump in here. Of course. I think singing for health groups can can really give people a, a sense of belonging. And I, I think it is well documented that loneliness can be, you know, as bad as, as smoking 20 cigarettes a day uh, for people. So I think that the sense of belonging that comes from joining a group and participating in shared activity on a weekly basis is something that, that shouldn't be underestimated. For me, anyway, with Freedom of Mind Community Choir, that's that's something I really think is, is at the the forefront of what we're doing is, is creating a welcoming, safe space for people um, where they feel that they can be creative and thrive. Um, I think also I found myself as a singer, um, when you're focusing in the moment on group singing, that can be a real relief from thinking about the past or the future. Um, and I think sometimes that being in the moment is something that we can find difficult to do in these busy times when we're kind of bombarded with information. So I think the special focus that comes from learning new repertoire, for example, can really be a benefit to people. Um, and I also find, and again, this is a personal experience, I'm quite a shy person. And I think that um, singing for health groups are very accessible for people who might not feel socially confident. You can come into a room and take part in a shared activity without having to be you know, really confident to, to put yourself forward or chat with people, you can literally get involved straight away. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Kim. Lisbeth? Yes, uh, um, uh, I'm really glad to hear Kim say that. Uh, and I can say from a clinical psychology perspective, there has been evidence for all the points that she just made. Uh, for example, uh, the sense of belonging has been researched um, under the concept of social identity. Um, and it turns out that people that uh, take part in choirs uh, um, they, their sense of belonging increases and it even generalizes to other settings outside of the choir. It also can happen in, in bigger choirs. Um, and sense of belonging is very important for mental health. Uh, it is a basic human need. And then, um, Kim, um, your second point, um, can you remind me? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah, when you're concentrating on learning new music or remembering music as well, you're really in the moment. Um, there's research that, um, and actually I did some of that myself as well, that sense of flow 
um, is, is really important, uh, you know, in, in for the positive well-being side of things. It also can help with distraction uh, when people uh, with mental health difficulties tend to ruminate or worry a lot, uh, exactly like you say. Um, and um, actually, sense of flow, uh, the, the, uh, the, the part where people feel kind of uh, submerged um, in, in the singing, um, and in, in the activity, it's, it can increase over time. That is what we uh, found with the Harmony Choir study, uh, which was only two months. And there's uh, recent uh, research from um, students at the University of Edinburgh looks at sense of flow uh, while singing online. And even there, you can have that. And then um, your final point about uh, people that are shy or a bit, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure how you phrase it, but with Ron, um, th there is uh, a very good uh, evidence-based therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy for, for people that um, uh, don't feel comfortable around other people. And it shows that when you expose people to uh, situations that are slightly out of their comfort zone, it can really help uh, with how, um, how safe they feel. And um, as a choir uh, can be such a safe space where people feel accepted and, and they all play their part in that kind of team effort, uh, it can really help in, in that sense as well. Plus, of course, the mingling with new people uh, that can also, you know, um, habituate their anxieties from a clinical psychology perspective. So. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lisbeth, for sharing the research work behind um, the benefits of singing for mental health. So, uh, Veronica, you wanted to come in on this too. Oh, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, because they do think it's said that singing was the first noise we made for communicating with one another before we learned how to form words and vocabulary. And uh, it, it's a really... Um, it's the purest form of expressing ourselves and it's the most natural thing. And if I have come across one person, I'll come across hundreds who've said, oh, I have a terrible voice. It's so full of judgment of self. And I think that um, being able to express your true self through singing without judgment is, is an incredible leap forward in um, our own sense of well-being. Well, you can't get a bigger endorsement than that. So, Kim, you spoke a little bit about the Freedom of Mind group. Can you tell us a little bit about how a session with Freedom of Mind might look? Certainly. Our sessions run on Wednesday afternoons in Tamper Hill Community Hub in Falkirk. And they run from 2.30 till 4.30 and they're co-led by myself and Marriott Dallas. Before the pandemic, um, sessions included physical and vocal warm-ups, learning new repertoire, and singing requests from our existing repertoire. And we also had a social break in the middle for refreshments and a bit of a chat. These days, uh, post pandemic, we also incorporate some drumming and body percussion and a little bit of music theory because currently, although we've gone back to indoor sessions, we are limiting the amount of time that we sing together in a room indoors and we're making sure the hall is regularly ventilated. Um, the choir operates on a, a pay what you can afford approach and membership starts from £8 per month. And although everybody living in or near Falkirk is welcome to join us, we do prioritise membership applications from those who have lived experience of mental ill health. And before the pandemic, we used to do a lot of performances as well. And, and I think that was something that our members took great joy in, was kind of trying to spread joy through performance. And those performances were in a range of locations from care homes, hospitals um, to concert halls. 
And we haven't had any indoor performances, obviously, for a while, and we don't have any on the cards at the moment. But last week, um, we performed outdoors in the bucketing rain at the Peace Pole in Helix Park in Falkirk. And that was part of the pilgrimage for COP26. And I have to say, it was the most joyful thing to get back to performing for people. So there were pilgrims who'd been walking to COP26 and we were part of the welcome from Falkirk. Um, and we had a good old dance and sing in the rain, um, which was really lovely. Oh, wow. That sounds, that sounds really wonderful, especially after kind of a year of not a lot of public singing going on. Uh, so do you hope to do more kinds of activities like that in the future, Kim? Absolutely. I mean, we, we appreciate that, um, again, as a sort of as an activity for well-being, it's really great for our choir to have a project. And sometimes a performance can be like a project. It's something you rehearse for, you work towards, and then you experience success. And the lovely thing about performance, and I find this myself as a solo performer as well, is, you know, it's a safe space when you're on a stage and you're performing. People are there to enjoy and to support and usually they clap at the end. So usually the whole performing experience is one which is, again, a really lovely communal experience to have um, in, in a variety of locations. So, yes, absolutely. We do actually have a, a current project for a remote performance. Um, so we've been asked to write a song for RASAC Perth around women's empowerment um, and in solidarity with women to feel free to, to walk, for example, on their own in the evenings. Um, so that's a song that we've just been writing in collaboration as a group. And in a couple of weeks, we'll make a, a recording, a video recording of our performance, and that's going to be broadcast at the event, which takes place in, in Perth. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing little, little steps back towards performances at the moment and thoroughly enjoying that. Oh, excellent. And you've been running online sessions as well, haven't you? Yes. Um, in fact, we moved all of our sessions online the week before the first lockdown um, because we were conscious of the, the, the real health vulnerabilities of many members of our choir. And we felt it felt like it was the safest thing to do. So what we did straight away back in, in March was um, we moved to making pre-recorded singing sessions and putting them on YouTube. Um, really, that was my first thought because that was what I already knew how to do. I had never heard of Zoom before. Um, so YouTube sessions is, is how we started off. Um, and also we had quite a few members of the choir who didn't have internet access at home, but they did have YouTube on their televisions. So this was a way to kind of keep that sense of connection. However, quickly we realized that we were missing the social aspects of the choir. And then we got into Zoom um, and started running just chat sessions and turn sessions a chance to share stories and jokes and songs online as a group. Um, again, we noticed very quickly that quite a lot of our members weren't able to access this without having devices. And we were really lucky we applied for support from Connecting Scotland and we were awarded 16 iPads to enable those choir members who couldn't get online to, to learn a skill. So quite a lot of our time actually over the past year, we've been doing digital skills sessions online and building up the confidence and skills of, of our choir members that's just tapering off now. It feels like most people are feeling quite comfortable with accessing. We've now got a new website as well. Um, so accessing resources online, both the YouTube sessions, which are continuing because we feel they're quite valuable. Also for people who might not just feel well enough to come to choir on a weekly basis, they can still keep that connection with the group and with our repertoire. So we're kind of having, I suppose, a not very high tech, but a, still a blended approach with in-person sessions and a YouTube video continuing. Oh, that sounds 
like really ideal. I know that some of the conversations that we've been having in the network is how do we support blended sessions? How do we build up confidence for those who don't feel like they can engage with Zoom or engage with uh, technology and singing in that way? So it's really encouraging to hear that you found a way forward. I have to say it's testament to the choir members that they've been so up for learning and developing their skills and it's again it's just that other stepping into Lisbeth what you mentioned you know going out with your comfort zone many of our choir members have gone well out with their comfort zone and and I know myself I've been out with my comfort zone with technology it's it's been a real learning curve for everyone but as I sort of because we're all in it together we're also very lucky that we have a choir member who is a real technical um, genius, I would, <laughs> I think is not understating the case. Um, he was previously employed in technology and he's been a great, he's been like a digital ambassador for the choir and he's been available to give detailed one-to-one support when it's required, which has been just fantastic for us. Oh, wow, excellent. So, and really utilising the skills of those in the group. So, Lisbeth, I know that you also run Harmony Choir. Could you tell us a little bit about that group and what they do? Yeah. Um... I um, applied for funding uh, as staff member of University of Edinburgh to run a, a choir research project to investigate the effects of singing in a choir on uh, well-being and mental health and um, also to see if uh, people would meet in a choir, uh, people from different mental health backgrounds, if that would change um, the um, perceptions that people have from people with mental illness, so the negative stereotypes and the stigma around mental health. And uh, we were funded by the Student Experience Grant um, and uh, we run nine rehearsals and we had a show um, at the Fringe Festival. And um, it, yeah, it showed that uh, uh, yeah, the, the stigma, some of the attitudes, negative attitudes towards mental health had changed in the choir members. And I must add that it wasn't a therapy, um, it wasn't music therapy or anything like that. And we didn't necessarily bring it up at the rehearsals. It was a, a community choir like any other choir. Uh, supposed to just bring people together, get that um, that process going for for bonding and sense of community, and um, of course I had confidentiality, um, so uh, I knew uh, people's backgrounds uh, to make sure that there was a mix of of different mental health backgrounds in the choir, uh, reflecting the general population. But others didn't know that necessarily unless they wanted to speak about that, and I think that was one of the more, most powerful things because it doesn't matter; it is about the people that you sing with. Um, uh, and that you interact with. It, it was a really good experience and very exciting. A lot of people had never sung in a choir before, let alone being on stage at the Fringe. Um, and yeah, they, they were so enthusiastic that they didn't want to stop. So our musical director was asked to continue. And um, over five years later, we're still going. And we use our performances to, uh, yeah, we also sing uh, at uh, the wards around Christmas and it's caroling and uh, but yeah, we, we use all our events basically to raise awareness of, of mental health, even though compared to five, six years ago, it is much better. The stigma is less than it was. Um, it's still good to keep normalizing it and uh, raise money uh, for uh, mental health charities. And we have a show um, coming up now where we focus on the uh, effects of racism on mental health, um, just because we were uh, familiar with uh, some of the people around us. Uh, that were affected by that because of COVID, uh, there was an increase in anti-Asian sentiment. So we're raising money uh, for that uh, purpose, for anti-racist charities. And um, yeah, we talk about how to be an active bystander and support people that are affected. But yeah, the, the subjects vary. Um, usually it's general mental health, but uh, yeah, um, 
because it's such a broad area, uh, it, it is really good to uh, yeah, to be able to highlight things and, and do some good while we're also enjoying ourselves doing that. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing, Lisbeth. And uh, have you been continuing online as well throughout the pandemic? Yes, we uh, started quite soon, I think a couple of weeks after, I can't really recall now, but um, yeah, online Zoom rehearsals, it, it turned out really quickly that that didn't work at all to sing uh, in a synchronous way. So uh, we used the recordings that we had from past, um, yeah, past performances um, to keep going. Uh, also, we did learn new repertoire and uh, we did one event online last year. And actually the event I just mentioned is also going to be online um, with other guest uh, musicians. So uh, yeah, we let people record at home uh, and then made a video on Zoom um, to kind of patch that together or we had other videos uh, uh, yeah, related to that and, and used Facebook live streaming to air the event. Um, yeah, so we have been going and I think um, at some point, uh, because it is harder work, I think as well for the musical director to do online rehearsals that we mixed it up a bit. Um, so at some point we, we, we're we working with schedules now that one time we do a music quiz or we do a show and tell or we had a strange object or, you know, just any kind of pop quiz. Um, I also, and I can really recommend that, um, I um, uh, made uh, a map of Edinburgh, our city, um, and um, uh, on Gathertown, which is an interactive platform that is sometimes used in teaching where you can just walk around the map and I put in videos of all the performances that we had done around Edinburgh. That is a recent activity that we did, which was really nice. And in Gathertown, it's different than Zoom. And then you can also kind of meet there and have a like small group conversations, which is harder to do when you use Zoom because of the, yeah, the function of breakout groups is different. So yeah, we try to mix it up and come up with new things. And we have been looking at some uh, live rehearsals again, but we also have a population that might be a bit more vulnerable so we're trying to be very careful and yeah, keep an eye on the developments. But the most important thing, I think, is to make sure there is still a choir once the pandemic is uh, more in the background. So keep the community going and uh, we check in with people, even if they're not rehearsing. Uh, we have kind of dedicated people that were in contact with these people already to just, uh, you know, keep that contact going. Um, and yeah, um, so it's it's been good. It's been different. Um, but um, yeah, as I mentioned, there was some research from uh, students at the University of Edinburgh that looks into online singing. And um, yeah, I think everybody can relate to that, that you know, online singing is not the same, but it still has uh, mental health or well-being benefits, even though the, the musical side may be different. And we hope to publish that in the near future as well. Oh, excellent. And, you know, hopefully when that comes out, then we'll, we'll link it below in the show notes. So both Lisbeth and Kim, you've spoken about the importance of this social aspect. Uh, so it's not just about accurate singing as a group together, but getting together and singing and belonging as part of that group, uh, which seems to speak to both of your both your groups and both your choirs and, and what you're trying to achieve. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, Freedom of Mind is a non-audition community choir and, and um, it was mentioned earlier, I think so many adults have had a bad experience at some point in their life being told that they can't sing and I, I fundamentally disagree with that. I think singing is for all of us and it's not about perfection, it's about joy um, and we welcome everybody who wants to come and join us to sing. It's, it's, it's such a great experience and why would you hold that back from anybody? I just don't understand it. So... Um, 
Absolutely. I think the participation and the, 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 the buzz that we all get from every performance is, is what makes it worthwhile. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kim. So, and, and Veronica, that obviously speaks to what you were saying in the beginning as well. Could you tell us a little bit about your Singing Health? Because I know that you're the founder of Singing Health. Absolutely. Well, I, I completely agree with Lisbeth and Kim and, and, and joy is a key word. Um, and I've just changed the name of our singing groups to the Joyful Voices because I, I, there's, there's a more of an identity with that than there is with calling yourself Singing Health. Um, so all of you have been really proactive in in thinking about how you can get groups together, how to work through uh, challenges and different issues, and even introducing research into your practice as well. If someone was wanting to start their own singing for mental health group, or they're wanting to train in this area, do you have any recommendations of how they could start? Actually, um, Sophie Boyd and, and myself and Lynn Irons have been, and a couple of other colleagues in the field, have been working on the development of a toolkit for mental health inclusive choirs. And this will be open access and, and will be published uh, by the time this podcast comes out. Um, so uh, that should include a lot of tips on, on various areas uh, to, to help keep things safe and what things to look out for. And it's based on research uh, with choir members and choir leaders, as well as a co-production with singing leaders. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lisbeth. And we'll, we'll always put all of that information in the show notes too. Uh, Veronica, where you want to come in? I was just smiling and acknowledging what Lisbeth was saying there. <laughs> all you have to do is to love music and love people. And um, there are many, many resources available online to help you. But the, but the basic principle is to welcome people in, to ask them what they want and, and to start the journey together. And you'll see where it goes very, very quickly. Um, oh, wow. Excellent. Thank you so much, Veronica. Uh, Kim, did you want to come in on this as well? Yes, only to say that that resource sounds fantastic. And I'll, I'll greatly enjoy it. Uh, looking into that myself. Um, with Freedom of Mind, we actually grew out of a mental health association. It was a project inside the Mental Health Association. So I've very much come to this as a lay person and don't feel super uh, qualified to uh, make recommendations around you know, developing a choir specifically for mental health. Um, but I have to say for us, um, we grew out of FADAM organization and we were a project there um fadam kind of changed its focus and didn't want to um, provide weekly sessions any longer but at that point we consulted with the choir and everybody in the choir wanted to keep going as did as did maria and myself so that was our motivation for keeping going and i think for us what has been helpful has been to link in with various networks so like this network um, but also there are networks of choir leaders within scotland which are very welcoming and supportive um it's great to know that we can signpost people back to FADAM for specific needs um, and to elsewhere. So that's something we're really conscious of is that Marriott and myself are not are not experts, but we are able to point people in the right direction when they maybe need a bit more support. So I think, again, I just, I'd second everything um, that's been said in terms of go for it. If you're thinking about doing this, you know, then you're, you, you know, you've got the potential to make a real difference to people's lives. So go for it. Don't be shy and, and reach out for help because I feel like we're, we're in communities of singers and people working in the areas of health who all want to support each other for the greater good. You know, so it's not that people uh, won't be around to support you on your journey. Excellent. Really good advice from, from all of you. So thank you so much for that. So 
I guess a question that I have is how do group members come to you? Do you get a sense of how they find out about your groups and then come to a session? Kim? I mean, word of mouth is, I think, the most natural way. And we have quite a few members of the choir who've brought along relatives and friends after they've experienced the benefits themselves from group singing. Um, I have to say that with funding support from Creative Scotland this year to keep us going uh, through and beyond the pandemic, hopefully, we have made a new website, which is freedomofmindcommunitychoir.com. And we've put a big, massive button on it, which says, join us. And that's actually been quite effective. Um, so... Uh, combined with having the website and this welcome to say people are welcome to join who might just come across us randomly. Um, we've also done a couple of uh, Facebook campaigns just saying we welcome new members and uh, we've been inundated with requests, which is fantastic. So for the first time ever during the pandemic, we've now got a waiting list for membership. Um, but we'd love to welcome more members who are living in or near Falkirk. So um, if anyone's thinking about it, you'd be so welcome. Just get in touch with us through the website. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kim. And we'll obviously, we'll uh, link that information as well in the show notes. Please, Beth. Um, I think for Harmony Choir, um, it also very much is the same way. Uh, but uh, in addition, uh, we always try to seek publicity, and that was from the start because, of course, it was a research project. So uh, we needed to get a lot of people together quite quickly in, in the space of two months. So uh, we used university press office. Uh, and we got some media exposure and, and we still try to do that because one of the messages of, of this project was to normalize mental health. So you want to have that message out there. And I, I must add, by the way, that um, I had this idea to bring people together from different mental health backgrounds um, outside of a, a research project initially. But um, the, the choir I was in, um, it, it was hard to organize that. So that is when I thought, OK, then I have to do it in a different way. Um, because I think it's a good idea. And then uh, I thought, oh, well, I, I work in research uh, uh, at the university, so I might as well make it into a research project and uh, find some funding. And um, yeah, there's quite a lot of research going on um, uh, in the last couple of years in singing research. So that is definitely a way to, um, if you can't find enough volunteers to uh, you know, attract uh, some funding to uh, set something up. Um, but yeah, we, we still do that because it's so important to normalize mental health and, and um, even in um, yeah, bigger media outlets or, or smaller like positive news, I think somebody found us via that. And uh, the good thing is when you have that message um, that people come sometimes to the choir mentioning, oh, I have mental health difficulties uh, and I saw this choir and it sounded like a very welcoming place. So um, it, it does help, I think to uh, to add that uh, to attract people that may otherwise have missed out because they were a bit hesitant um so yeah excellent thank you so much Lisbeth. so we also are developing as part of the scotland singing for health network we're trying to create a resource that will make singing for health groups more visible so throughout our project we are building an interactive online map where people will be able to see if there are any singing for health groups in their area and will be able to find out when the group typically meets. Now that map will not be ready until 2022, but in the meantime, we've got some really excellent resources that have been suggested here in this podcast and we'll link those all below. So we're coming to the end of our discussion here. 
And I just I just want to ask so that we don't miss anything. Is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't discussed yet? Please, Beth. Veronica was talking so enthusiastically about um, uh, rehearsals and the immediate effects this can have. We actually measured that in Harmony Choir projects over nine weeks before and after rehearsals. We asked people about their um, enjoyment, well-being and connectedness on a scale from zero to ten. And they could rate that. And it turns out that except for the first rehearsal, um, with all the other rehearsals before and after was a was a significant statistically significant difference um an improvement in 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 all of them so enjoyment well-being and connectedness and i also looked at um, to see if if people from different mental health backgrounds actually uh, could benefit it less and that was not the case except for the first rehearsal um like i said so people that had had symptoms in the past or present or a diagnosis uh, had uh, yeah, didn't benefit as much as uh, people that generally didn't have any mental health symptoms, um, but that was only for the first rehearsal. So it could be that um, you know uh, it might be a bit more stressful for people that uh, uh, yeah already may struggle with some issues. But in the end, uh, everybody can benefit, and it was not only after every rehearsal, but also over the space of two months that there was a statistical, a statistically significant difference. And for flow, uh, I didn't uh, measure flow uh, before and after rehearsals, but only after rehearsals, but that also went up over time and that was only in the space of nine weeks. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lisbeth. And uh, can we link that research below? It hasn't been published yet um, because I've been very busy uh, with my um, part-time PhD and, and job, but uh, I'm happy to share any results and we've presented at several uh, conferences as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lisbeth. Veronica? Well, I would just like to say that I think singing is not only beneficial for mental health, I think it's actually essential. Um, and I would like to see singing on prescription. Um, I, I did write, I, I was interviewed for the big issue in 2019. Um, and, and I have been lobbying various members of Parliament. And I would really like to see singing on prescription. Thank you so much, Veronica. And obviously part of the aim of this network is that we're developing the map so that it's easier for everyone, whether they're in the medical community, whether they're out in the everyday community, or whether they're singing practitioners or singers, can see what groups are nearby and go along to a session if they are, if they desire to do so. It's a wonderful, wonderful plan. Well done. Thank you. And Kim, do you have anything that you're wanting to add here? Only to say it's a real pleasure to be part of the Scotland Singing for Health Network and it feels like a really positive step in the right direction. I completely agree with what Veronica is saying, that singing is essential and, and group singing in particular can just bring so many benefits to so many people. I've seen it in a range of contexts from, for example, an under-21s choir in Cornton Vale Women's Prison. And I know I'm, I'm not a researcher, but we did our own analysis and Lisbeth exactly what you're saying about measuring feelings before and after every rehearsal we saw improvements for every participant every time um, it's just it's it's so obvious that it should be something that could be prescribed because it's so clearly beneficial for people and I think if we could just broaden our thinking and keep moving in this direction you know it feels very positive and I hope that the movement can build momentum. I couldn't agree more with uh, what Veronica and Kim just have said, and I'm all in favour of social prescription, which is why I so much wanted to help build the evidence for that, uh, and which is why research is so important. And that is also something that the uh, Scotland Singing for Help Network can do, just bring research in contact with uh, professionals and singers. And uh, yeah, it's just a really good mix. Um, 
Um, as a clinical psychologist, um, in my therapies with people, I always recommend to look for things that make them happy. And I think Veronica mentioned something similarly. And singing is one of those things. Um, so I think uh, my mission would also be to um, promote the message uh, of singing for mental health. And um, because I'm in psychology, of course, also singing for health uh, within my um, uh, field of expertise, because I think it is underrated too much um, so far. And um, yeah, that, that it would be great if, if it was more known to uh, not just uh, general practitioners, but also mental health practitioners that they could refer people to a singing for health group. Thank you all so much for joining me today and for having such an inspiring conversation. Thank you all for joining us today. Next week, we are joined by Carol Miller and Katie Warren, and we will be discussing singing for supporting those with cancer. Thanks for listening. podcast is produced by Scotland's Singing for Health Network, a project hosted at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, funded by the Royal Society of Edinburgh, and in partnership with the University of Edinburgh. For more information on our activities, please visit our website. Details are in the show notes.